Welcome to the Transition Years, a series of podcast episodes that seeks a deepen understanding of topics and issues that impact students' mathematics experiences during the transition years of schooling, which are the last two years of high school and the first two years of post-secondary education. The goal of the Launch Years Initiative, which is way more than a couple of podcast episodes, is to increase awareness around the importance of these years so that stakeholders are equipped to act as local change agents to improve the mathematics experiences and outcomes for all students. The Transition Years is brought to you by the Launch Years Mathematics Organization's Leadership Network, which is part of the Launch Years Initiative at the University of Texas at Austin. Charles A. Dana Center is an Amadon Planet production. I am your host, Joel Amadon, Associate Professor of Secondary Education at the University of Mississippi, and I am joined by several leaders in the mathematics education community. From the Association of State Supervisors of Mathematics is Joe Lee Honey, who is the president of ASSM, as well as Christine Kerner, vice president of leadership, and Dewey Gottlieb, who is past president of ASSM. From NCSM, leadership in mathematics education is Paul Gray, who is the president of NCSM, and Astrid Fossum, who is regional director of NCSM. From the conference board of the mathematical sciences is David Brassou, who is the director of CBMS. And from the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators is Michael Steele. He is the past president of AMTE. And we also have Dusty Jones, the VP of Communications and Outreach. And Dusty Jones is also the co-host of the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast, which I do with him and Ava Thanheiser. And finally, we are joined by the Launch Year's Mathematics Organization's Leadership Network Facilitator, John Staley. Great to see you all in the Zoom room. It's a crowded Zoom room. Keep your elbows to yourself. And here we go. John, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Joel. It's been a couple of busy months. So I know. Good. We've, I've seen all these faces on various Instagram posts all over the place. They're doing lots of great things. And I've seen you all over the place too, John. But And I'm starting with you because where have we been? This is kind of the end cap of a lot of work that's been done by this initiative. And I just want to, to point to you first and say, like, where have we been with the, this uh, this whole launch years initiative? Well, we with this part of it around the leadership network, um, what we've been doing is meeting since about March. We started to work back in November and formally 11 organizations came together in March. And we've met just about every month since March, um, really pushing in on the conversations around the transition years, gaining some understanding around the pathways and the work that's being done. Um, and really looking at what outreach we can do. So that's where we are sort of with this podcast and with the other webinars that we put together, the outreach piece. And and with the webinars, I mean, there's, again, they're all, they're all going to be posted on the show notes for this episode. And they're all, they're on the uh, website for at the Dana Center's website for this. All those will be on the links wherever you found this podcast. There'll be a link there that you can go and access all that great information. But with a webinar, sometimes it's like it's on a tight time frame. And you got to make sure everyone has it. You know, you did a very good job, John. You did a very good job. You're like a referee that you had to make sure everyone had their their times and things and everyone had their presentation. But now we get a podcast where we get to engage in some conversation here around some of these things. But so what we're going to do is this. We're going to go around the Zoom room and picture us all at a big uh, table or, or whatever. And we're going to go around and, and answer a question first. And it really has to do with the question that's driving this podcast episode. It's about supporting the work. A lot of work a lot of description of the work that John just went through was talked about uh, through the webinars and things. Now we think about how do we as leaders in mathematics education uh, go about supporting this work? And so we're going to start with uh, Jolie from ASSM. 
and thinking about what is this, what does it look like for ASSM to do the work? And also too, can you give a little description when we go around the room and about your organization and what you do in, in mathematics education? Hi, Jolie. Absolutely. Hey, hey, <laughs> That's Joel. That's a lot. Thanks. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having us. And um, sure, I would love to share a little bit about the Association of State Supervisors of Mathematics. We are actually a smaller organization because we are made up of those who work as math leaders at the state and provincial level. And um, so we get together as state leaders and talk about all kinds of things. And and particularly lately these days, the transition years has has been huge and a a hot topic. Um, The mission of ASSM is to increase the capacity of math leaders to advance quality math education. So in response to your question of um, how, what, you know, what's the work that's being done, I would love to share with you that we have a lot of members that are doing a lot of work in this space and, and really focusing on, um, if you will, we would have a mantra of talking about how are we increasing opportunities for students via pathways, focusing on students taking courses based on their interest instead of their perceived abilities. And we have um, a lot of different people doing things or we're creating additional pathways that provide opportunities for students. Um, Like for example, we have people who are adding data science courses that are in the middle of that. So they're really working to create course codes at the state level that's happening in Maryland and California. And I know it's gonna happen, it's happening in other states. I'm not gonna capture all the places these things are happening, but as you had a, Um, meeting recently talking about alternative options to Algebra 2. We have people who are creating a modern Algebra 2 course, like in Washington. I think you recently had that. And John, John's like, yep. Yep. And um, we also have people who are focusing on creating alternative courses for Algebra 2, such as California, working really hard to make it so that higher ed provides different options for um, students that that are not always requiring Algebra 2 as a, as a prerequisite. And um, we also have states that are really working to remove those barriers so that students can take concurrent enrollment and get their quantitative course credit while they're still in high school. Utah started that a few years ago. So students who finish the high school pathway actually can take either quantitative reasoning or a quantitative literacy course, statistics or college algebra um, without having the the prior barriers that existed. And then we have a lot of states that are right in the middle of, you know, when people talk about the core standards for their states, it's ASSM members who are the math leaders who lead that charge and, and work with their committees. And we have a lot that are revising standards to include more data science or opportunities to include more data science like Oregon, Virginia, Oklahoma. We're really excited about that. And then um, something that's also really important to us is that we have professional learning um, coursework and micro-credentials that we have that support teachers in becoming more familiar with what is data science because that's kind of a conversation that seems to be going around town too is (laughs) as we work with our local education agencies it's like you know our districts and our schools that are kind of like yeah we're very much interested in this but what is it exactly that's uh, exactly yeah data sciences that seems to be a 
very hot topic. We'll get into that. I, I got that written down. I want to talk about data science a little bit. But before we do that, let's go to, uh, oh, sorry, Dusty, do you want to say something? Oh, no, I, I just want to come back to that later. So thanks. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's put a, put a note there. Uh, so Paul, let's talk about uh, NCSM leadership in math education. So again, a little bit of overview and then what's currently cooking with uh, NCSM uh, leadership in math ed with regards to supporting this work. Okay. Um, thank you, Joel. I'd be happy to talk about that. NCSM is the premier mathematics education leadership in, well, I'll brag a little bit, the planet. Our members are primarily in the go. United States and Canada, but we have members around the world. And we found that out with some of our virtual learning opportunities. We would be, be sitting here evening on the East Coast and we'd have people that were just getting out of bed or it was the middle of the night. And so it was really interesting it makes you be cautious about saying things like good morning or good evening because right. you don't know what it is for people. So our, our members are math leaders and we define leadership broadly. If you are involved in um, leading mathematics instruction or mathematics programs in your school or organization, you are a mathematics leader. And so that could be your district curriculum coordinators. It could be mathematics specialists. It could be instructional coaches. It could be assistant principals. It could be grade level lead teachers. And there's a lot of teacher leadership that goes on as teachers are leading from their own classrooms. So we have a very broad umbrella of math leaders in our coalition of members. With some of the math pathways work, the thing that I think of is um, a couple of years ago, we released a position paper on detracking. And our mission and vision is grounded in equity and making sure that we work hard so that all students have access to meaningful, high-quality mathematics, teaching, and learning. And so we, everything that we do is grounded in our mission and vision for equity. And the detracking position paper gave us the opportunity to stake out a position based on research and evidence from the field about tracking students and teachers into course pathways and come to find out that harms children. And if there's a practice that we know harms children and it's fairly widespread, we have to address it. We have to right. stop it. And so we use this position paper to show the evidence for it. This is why it harms children. And yes, there are some students who benefit from track systems. And here's how we can preserve their learning opportunities in a D-track system. So we've used that position paper to um, get people to start asking questions about their own systems. And so people can start looking at, okay, how are, are we tracking? How are we tracking? Should we be tracking? What would it look like if we detract this? We've also created spaces for people who have lived experiences with detracking their systems to share their stories and tell their experiences so that others who are interested in that can learn from. Astrid, is there anything from your perspective as a regional director for NCSM that you could add? Sure, Paul. I, I just might add that um, there really is a lot of power, not only in the research behind the detracking and the opportunities that multiple pathways can provide children in learning mathematics, um, but there's also that side that Paul's saying about telling the stories and really in providing virtual and face-to-face -face opportunities for people to hear about what works 
and really hear about the experiences of students themselves has been um, something that really resonates with a lot of our membership. Yeah, that first person perspective is, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right, so let's talk to uh, David uh, from the Conference Board of the Mathematical Sciences. Hey, David. Hi, and, and thank you for, for including me. Uh, so the Conference Board of the Mathematical Sciences is a strange sort of organization. Uh, we're very tiny, but we operate as an umbrella, bringing together the different professional societies in the mathematical sciences. So all of the societies represented here are part of, of CBMS, uh, in addition to the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics. Uh, but we also have societies uh, at the post-secondary level, the Mathematical Association of America, the Society for Industrial and Applied Mathematics, the American Mathematical Society, the, uh, um, the American Statistical Association, and, and even non-academic uh, professional societies, such as the Society of Actuaries. So we provide opportunities for the different societies uh, to coordinate their efforts with each other. So we, we bring the leadership of the different societies together to talk about what they're doing, share their ideas, share their concerns, um, get ideas for, for what they might do. Uh, right now, we've got a number of interest groups that have been meeting online around issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, we've got a group that's, uh, that's talking about how to prepare students for the workforce. We've got another group that's talking about data science and what that means. And one of the great strengths of CBMS is that it includes people both at the, the pre-K-12 side of mathematics education and the post-secondary side. So we're really positioned well to look at the transition and to look at data science across that transition. Uh, what do students need to take in high school so that they're ready to continue the pursuit of, of data science when they get to college? In addition to bringing the leadership of the societies together to share ideas, we've also, CBMS has been working very closely with the Dana Center at the University of Texas, Austin, uh, to work with state leadership groups. Uh, this is something that we started actually back in 2018, um, bringing together leadership groups, about six to eight people from each state who represent uh, both K-12 mathematics leadership within the state, uh, also two-year college leadership and, uh, and university system leadership. Uh, to talk about the issues of the transition. Uh, what are they facing in their own state? What are the state problems? So a big part of this is talking about pathways programs, uh, both post-secondary pathways, how to make sure that students have a way of getting into and through the, the, the college level mathematics that they need, but also making sure that at the high school level, students are prepared for whatever mathematics they're going to need at, at the post-secondary level. Uh, data science, again, plays a, a huge part in this. Uh, so, and a lot of the states are, are wrestling with, uh, with how to bring data science into the curriculum, both high school and also at, at the college level. And so we, we've been holding a number of gatherings 
Uh, there'll be another one coming up in May of, of 2022. Uh, we're, going, we're hoping to be able to meet in person again uh, with these different state <laughs> groups and, uh, and talk about uh, the, these issues that the states are facing and wrestling with. Some states are very far advanced, uh, as Jolie mentioned. Um, some of the states are just starting to figure out how do we even get uh, high school leadership and college leadership talking with each other. And so this has been a vehicle for doing that. Um, so it's, uh, again, CBMS is just about connecting people and, uh, and talking about the issues. That's beautiful. Love it. All right. Now, let's, uh, last but not least, let's get uh, to Michael Steele from AMTE. Same question, Michael, like what, what is AMT all about? And then, and then also, what are we doing to support that work? Yeah, so AMTE is the largest professional organization that's devoted to the improvement of mathematics teacher education. So thinking about both pre-service and practicing teachers, content, pedagogy across the entire pre-K to 16 spectrum. Uh, and, and it's kind of an interesting question, like where do we fit in the launch years? I know when, when we first got involved with the leadership network, we, we kind of batted around that question for a while. Um, and my sense of this is AMTE and the work of mathematics teacher education is absolutely integral to making this work go. We're going to be in a little bit of a different space as compared to, let's say, ASSM that's thinking about state policies and standards and, and ways to do some of this implementation on, on the ground. Um, but I think where we come in is thinking about how we provide teachers with the, the tools and learning opportunities to really make a modernization of high school, late high school and early collegiate mathematics happen. Um, so thinking about this from a pre-service teacher perspective, I'm thinking about shifts to the content courses that we provide to both elementary and particularly secondary um, pre-service teachers, thinking about how do I get good data science content for pre-service teachers, how do I help them understand the diversity of pathways and how we're shifting from uh, this more traditional calculus and algebra and function focused pathway to really diversifying and modernizing the mathematics that's available to students in grades 11 to 12. Um, and then along with that, we know that just curriculum and content changes or standards changes by themselves are not going to get the job done in terms of implementation. So we need to think about how are we continuing to send messages about what equitable pedagogy looks like um, in, in the classroom so that we're, we're not just changing the content of the courses that we provide to students, but we're thinking about the pedagogical aspects of really making those mathematical learning experiences meaningful. Um, thinking about, I think about the pre-service teachers as we're going to be positioning the future in this way. This is where we're going to have the most immediate impact um, in some sense in changing the landscape of secondary mathematics. Um, and then I think about our responsibility to practicing teachers. So thinking about how are we going to provide opportunities to skill up, to refresh content, to add on new content and new pedagogical tools that, again, will really support this modernization work. Um, and then a, a couple of other small pieces that come to mind from AMTE's 
um, perspective. I think there's important work we can do with those teachers in helping them support messaging because um, it's not just going to be about what happens in the classroom. It's going to be about how teachers communicate with their students, with families, with their communities about what we're changing in mathematics and why. Um, and this is a place where AMTE alongside our sibling organizations can provide some really important leadership for thinking about how we communicate about those messages, um, how we share what we're trying to accomplish in modernizing mathematics. Um, we have a number of, you know, a number of our AMT members who are engaged in research related to secondary mathematics. So being able to support the work of studying what the outcomes of this work are going to be and kind of be continually helping us update and refresh our approach to this. Um, professional development for our own mathematics teacher educators and helping us as a community know what we're doing. And then then finally, and, and you know, in, in thinking a little bit about um, NCSM's regional structure and some of the NCTM affiliates, AMTE also has a, a stable of state and regional affiliates that are going to be the people who are really responsible for, for doing this work, pulling it together from a university perspective. We know that universities are constrained in resources, just like our K-12 district partners are um, coming out of this pandemic. So thinking about how we share information, how we collaborate, how we share stories about how this work is being enacted on the ground. Oh, so John and I had a podcast talking about the power of organizations and John, it's pretty kind of pretty outstanding, the, the power of the organizations that are collected in here and some of the perspectives that people are bringing to, uh, to this work and just even the different things that I'm hearing uh, with regards to what people are doing. And so something that was highlighted over and over again uh, was this idea. Uh, so I'm hearing a couple of things. One is uh, sharing these stories of like, where are people doing this well? And I think you know, John, with the previous webinars, you, you shared some like, hey, here's some people that are doing things with regards to like the modern uh, modern algebra two and, and thinking about how that's leveraging data sciences and some of those sorts of things and, and who's doing that well in different states. And so, again, sharing those stories, but then also thinking about eliminating inequities. And Paul, you talked about like, hey, we have a position paper on 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 detracking and thinking about if there is children being harmed, how can we do that well and sharing stories of places where they are doing it well of detracking them. And Dusty, I'm thinking about a podcast episode we did with Brian Lawler and Abby Leaf and talking about their story in there. So let's go back to, uh, and, and also too, just thinking about the power of organizations. And as Michael was talking about some of the things, the statements and things that organizations can make and I see Jolie doing a little dance like about, Hey, uh, yeah, that is something that they can spread the spread these, uh, you know, the good news about what can happen here with, through the work that's being done through the organizations is pretty cool. So Jolie, you mentioned data sciences to start off with, and just thinking about this idea of diversifying pathways, just in case people are like, what is, what is data? What is the power of data? Uh, well, let's go there. What is data sciences? And then thinking about what does that have to do to diversifying pathways that people can take uh, within these launch years? So Jolie, you could point and say, Hey, go check out webinar number three, where they talk about data science in detail. Um, and that was the, a big part of that. That part, but I'm gonna, gonna or even see. anyone that wants to. I mean, because data, data science it seems to be something. When I've been paying attention to the webinars, and again, this is a conversation, so just throwing it out there and see who picks it up. Is you know thinking about the the role. It seems like data science is something that gets thrown out there and like like tapping into that. Like what, like 
what is the power within data sciences? And and I think, you know, Michael, you talked a little bit about, you know, what the, you know, the kind of the the traditional path of math that I, I know I took was, you know, that is pretty straightforward and not a lot of looking at data and how that can play into our an education, but a math education, but think about what what is the power of data sciences? Anybody got that one? Joel, I'll I'll start, and then yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, exactly what John said. Make sure that you go check that out, please. Yeah. Yes, it's so powerful. <laughs> yeah, but also one of the things that we do within our organization um, within ASSM is we have a twice monthly pathways discussion that goes on among members, and one of those conversations of those two that happens each month is focused on data science. And we are really talking about how, you know, what students are interested in doing does not always necessarily lead to all students taking calculus. You know, calculus is still important. We want students to take courses based on their interests, but there's a lot going on in data science these days. And we want students to make sense of statistics, but we also want them to formulate questions about data. So instead of just interpreting data that's given, like, what are some questions? What are some patterns we're noticing? Um, how are we analyzing data and developing meaning of that data? And um, and so one of the things that we really talk about is many of us have statistics in our schools and in our standards, but having that data science lens and seeing what opportunities there are for careers and speaking of that transition year, we're really... Um, I'm kind of answering your question, but I'm also going to tell you I'm also not because we're still muddling through that ourselves. Like, what is, you know, this distinction between statistics and data science? But we just really want to make sure that as we go through the process that students feel empowered to utilize their interpretations or predictions in order to take action. And we want them to see that as something that they could do locally as well as globally. And... Um, and it really it really ties into our conversation about ensuring all students have access and and have it be, and have these experiences. So what does that look like um, as a course within standards as a pathway option? Well, I think that and that's kind of what we we're trying to get at. Like, what is this? What does this look like? And I think that's where the role of you know or these organizations represented here and like what does it actually look like? Because like we're it, it's like this powerful thing that maybe we don't quite know how to support it at the post-secondary level or at the, or at the secondary level. So like, again, that's where organizations can take the lead. Anyway, uh, let's see. And I think Joel, I just, what I did was, um, I know a Maddox in the webinar shared um, about data science being a science that incorporates a little bit of computer science, statistics, yeah. machine language, visualization, human computer interactions, um, with working with cleaning, integrating, analyzing, visualizing, and interacting with data in all kinds of capacities. So we also know that that's still a um, definitions are still being formed around data science because I think another one was also offered up in the same space, but we know it's a big integration of um, content processes that might not have purely sat in the math classrooms before. So I think that's something worth looking, and that's rich opportunity there. Right, and to jump in on that, um, what and what John's saying, I would just like to add that a lot of times students don't 
always see the relevance of mathematics and data what? science is some I know it's <laughs> it's so sad it makes me sad every time <laughs> whenever a kid says oh what when am I going to learn this or use right. this or why uh, data science often answers that question because it is that real world relevant application of a lot of statistics but also computer science and as a former director of computer science I see such unification of computer science and mathematics always, but especially in the data science world. And so not only are we interesting students in mathematics as a result, but we're also helping to really truly prepare them for the jobs that are currently open and are just increasingly being open across the nation. And so I think that's something key too that we are trying to keep in mind that we're preparing them for future careers and interests and college um, along with just engaging them and engrossing them in the mathematics that's being offered. Yeah. And again, thanks for sharing that, Christine. Um, I I really think that's a, that's a good point. And it reminds me of some work that, um, that uh, David, you've been involved with, uh, with looking at students taking some students taking calculus in high school and then also taking calculus in in college, some of those same students. And wouldn't it be great if instead of getting a double dip of something, if, if we could put in some data science or something else uh, valuable to them on, on either end? Do you have any comments on that? Oh, absolutely. There are a lot of students who take calculus in high school just because that, that seems to be the only option for them if, if they're in some sort of an advanced track. And it's really possible to dig into data science in a really deep way. I mean, one of the things that really illustrates the importance of it is how often data science programs in university are being run by business schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's the statistics, it's the computer science, certainly. There's a lot of mathematics in it. And, and you can bring in mathematics at, at all kinds of levels within, uh, within data science. But it's also about uh, decision-making, policies, political science, uh, business decisions. Uh, This is a chance to really engage students in in using a whole variety of of mathematical tools, um, tools that that are mathematical in nature. I I think of computer science as being very mathematical in nature also. Most of computer science departments broke off from math departments uh, a number of of decades ago. Um, But uh, I I do see this as a very viable alternative to to simply preparing for calculus um, if calculus is not what students really need uh, once they get to, to university. And in fact, there's some very nice work being done on uh, on doing a couple of years of uh, of data science within high school, say a two year program that brings in much more of of the mathematics and and provides a much richer experience as students really go into it deeply. But it's this ability to apply what you're learning uh, to situations of real importance to the students that's so central to the data science. But they, I mean, and again, there's in the last webinar, there was a ton of uh, exemplar, uh, exemplar, especially as I thought, saw the one from Washington State talking about the modern algebra two uh, example that was uh, pretty amazing, where they're building this foundation and they're exploring things that have student interest, kind of getting into some things that David's talking about, like 
being able to look at all these different avenues that uh, data science can explore. So again, it seems like, and, and two, what started with those, you know, taking, like Dusty was talking about taking calculus twice, it seemed like part of pathways is, is like not having any wasted steps. So we're not going to have a, 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 a remedial math class that doesn't count for anything or something that like, why have these things that are, that are dead end courses versus, you know, taking a, a, a course twice doesn't seem to be very uh, efficient either. So like, how can we, you know, better utilize that effort put there with regards to course, course taking. But I mean, but Paul, I want to go back to you. you you had a, you're talking about a position paper on detracking and so thinking about these stories of and how we can ad- address inequities. And so maybe that could be something too with regards to pathways is talking about, well, what do organizations, what responsibilities do organizations have to help shine a light on some of these issues? I'm kind of throwing this question at you cold, but just seeing like, hey, well, what might be the some of these responsibilities here in, in thinking about eliminating inequities in these launch years, which seems to be a, a pretty big focus of it? Well, um, with um, it, the math pathways are really important for students to have a clear understanding of where they're headed. And the transition years are critical because that's in high school, that's when students finally have get their feet under them and have some agency in terms of what courses they might be taking, depending, of course, on what's, what, what's offered in their school. But um, with our detracking work, the um, pathways leading up to those transition years are where we're focusing a lot of energy and discussion because that's where you get a lot of inequities in terms of what, say, an eighth grade. What mathematics does an eighth grader in my school have access to? And what teachers does my eighth grader have access to? Do, or is it an equitable um, opportunity with teacher right. learning ex- with experience? And then the transition years afford us that opportunity for personalization and cut, creating the pathways. I like what Jolie said earlier about, yes, calculus is a great course. Personally, I love calculus. I had a great time in it. And I majored in STEM in college. But a lot of my classmates didn't. We just took calculus because that was the next course available. And our counselors all told us, you have to take math your senior year. And so having the other viable options the quantitative options, the, the data science is a rich possibility. I know this several years ago, the Dana Center at University of Texas at Austin created a course, a fourth-year math course called Advanced Quantitative Reasoning. In some states, it was advanced mathematical decision-making, and it took some powerful mathematical ideas that students didn't get the opportunity to explore because it didn't fit into the silo of Algebra 1, Geometry, Algebra 2, but really dug deep at their quant- at the quantitative thinking and, the, well, the quantitative reasoning that's required to work with a set of numbers. And I'm bringing that up because one of the things that the Dana Center recognized is that you can't just hand teachers a set of curriculum resources and say, go, <laughs> especially when you're talking about new math courses and new math pathways that as teachers, we may not have been exposed to in our own math learning. So as teachers, we need to know, one, what is the mathematics? I need to have a better understanding than be two pages ahead of the kids. And how do I teach it? Because different instructional strategies are better fits for different types of mathematics. 
And that's where NC, a lot of NCSM's work comes in, is working with mathematics leaders to support the teachers that are in their care with both content knowledge and the instructional strategies, the pedagogy, the technology, and so forth. Well, and I, given what you just said, Paul, I, I would bet Mike would have something to add on to that with regards to helping out teachers in that, those areas. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I think I'd echo what Paul just talked about in terms of teachers having the mathematical tools and the pedagogical tools uh, to be able to teach new courses or newly constituted mathematical ideas that hang together in really meaningful courses in the third and fourth years of high school. And I'd also add in that we that we also need to be attentive to our colleagues who are teaching those courses in the first couple of years of, of college as well, because that content will be shifting um, in some sense on the data science front like the universities are a little bit ahead of us in pre-K-12 in getting data science coursework integrated at the university. And then thinking about how does that extend to our work um, in disciplinary departments in teacher education. But I think in addition to what Paul was talking about, some of this big picture of understanding where the mathematics is going, I think it's it's one thing to know, okay, I've got this new data science course. I know what the standards are. I know what the content is. I know how to teach it. But to really understand how that connects to where students are coming from mathematically and where they're going to. Um, and that's one theme that we see in a number of these implementations of the pathways work. Like I think about what Ohio just launched a few weeks ago, where data science and calculus are certainly pieces of the puzzle, but that quantitative reasoning course, like Paul was talking about, is, is a piece of kind of their wheel, is the image that they use. And it really conveys student flexibility and choice. And then that becomes incumbent on the mathematics teacher and the mathematics teacher educator community to understand how those mathematical ideas are interconnected. Because if we don't have a strong idea of that, we're just going to homogenize this back into pathways ourselves. Um, if we don't understand how students could move flexibly from a quantitative reasoning course to a modeling course to a data science course and really understand how those mathematical ideas fit together. If I could add on to what Mike was saying. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, beyond just supporting our you know, the educators within the system, I, the, the other part of that is um, how we communicate this to parents, uh, how we message this so that this is a viable option. You know, we have a lot of teachers working really hard doing great things in their classrooms, and they're going to, they see these options and they want to know, hey, if, if where is this going to lead my, my students? Will colleges accept this? Will um, students who want to go and play athletics in, in college, <laughs> um, will this course be accepted by the NCAA Clearinghouse? There's, so there's a yes. lot of messaging. There's a lot of messaging that, that needs to go along with this, but also communicating to parents in a way that um, they understand the purpose of this course and, and how it's going to help their student, uh, depending on their interests and, and their goals. Um, and even if you want to take a step back, the, the larger picture is, uh, um, you know, uh, kind of changing the narrative about mathematics. You know, we know the data about um, this pipeline that happens through the K-12 system where we're, mathematics is often used as a tool to sort kids. Let's be honest. It's been like that for a while and we lose kids. Yeah. You know, Christine mentioned that they, 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 um, they lose interest. They, they lose confidence. Um, 
And we, the collective we in mathematics education, we have to take responsibility for that and, and uh, change the narrative um, for, for students and for parents, offering courses um, that, uh, you know, these alternate pathways, if, if that's one way to describe them, um, is, is one way to help do that as well. That's a great point. I, I had a chance when I first started teaching to teach with Core Plus, uh, one of those 13 NSF funded curricula that was uh, to uh, enact the standards. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Like having like, I, I, I think some of the data sciences sort of ideas were in there, where it was like algebra, geometry, uh, discrete and statistics and probability all mixed in together. Like this is the last course you're going to take, unfortunately. And, and it was the district did a great job of implementation. We were field tests, but then I don't think that what you just talking about the communication being saying like, Hey, this is, this is good stuff. And this is uh, the, this is how this can be used through colleges or, or just making sure to have those conversations with parents about how it was supporting their development as, as students, kids were taking more mathematics. And I don't think we did as good a job as what you talked about with regards to messages and things. And so they don't use it anymore. And it's like, it felt like we were taking us well, it was taking a step backwards. And so, yeah, that's, that's a really important point. So I want to honor your time. Again, I'm just impressed by the, the Zoom room here. Uh, we're going to go around to every organization and, and just give a, a chance for another word and thinking about supporting uh, this work. And if you had anything that you wanted to add on to someone, like, oh, I just have one more thing. Hey, you can do that. The, the floor is yours. So let's go back to uh, ASSM with Jolie. You want to start with that or whoever from ASSM wants to start? Well, yay, we're so glad you started with ASSM on the wrap-up, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, my head is spinning with all of the great things. I, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like we absolutely 100% agree with all the things that um, were said today from, I think, that importance of detracking. Um, Paul, we love the NCTM position paper on detracking. And as an organization, ASSM also has a position paper on detracking and and absolutely agree that there are barriers that are created when we are, are tracking in the system. We also think that it's important for every student to have a varied experiences. In that K-12 space, one of the things that we feel like is extremely important is we want students to have experiences with data science. How, how would you know if you're interested in that if you don't have experiences in that space? And, um, and, 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 and also really, really appreciate Dewey talking about that communication piece, um, there at the end. And, and it just feels like, um, my last comment from ASSM and would love others in my group to add to this is that power of our organizations connecting and collaborating and working together because we are so interconnected and this is a big change and, the leverage that we have in being able to connect and collaborate, I think is, is, I mean, our group does policy and practices, but I, like we all have a very important role to play in and working together. And Dr. Brasso, the work that's happening within the CBMS group and that we have so many states involved with that, I think is, is it's moving the needle and that's amazing. Dewey, Christine. <laughs> We're getting a little acknowledgement there that that did a good job, Julie. There we go. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, uh, NCSM. I'll start. This is Astrid. Um, 
I totally second what Julie is saying about our organizations connecting. I think a lot of our math leaders that we hear from and I hear from as a regional director are, they're kind of feeling like they're throwing spaghetti at the wall and maybe just taking a stab in the dark and guessing on how best to proceed. So the more we talk in together and problem solve together and then hear about the success stories, as well as hear about the places where maybe something didn't work as well as planned, um, will really help just pave, have, however that phrase is, I'm not good at all those analogies, but like um, pave the way forward for everyone. Um, because that it really is more than an 11, 12, or 11 to 16 problem. I'm, we're hearing more and more of this conversation about earlier grades, really about how to strengthen a program from the ground up and what that means for everyone so that students are seen as learners and doers of mathematics and that they, um, that math is really promoting their identity, their agency and belonging and that pathways and multiple trajectories really open those opportunities for students learning math. And NCSM really is listening to the field about how best to support our math leaders in these, you know, uncharted waters. And David, you want to give some remarks from CBMS? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm so impressed by, by the level of, of enthusiasm uh, for modernizing the curriculum, the, the recognition across all levels that, that what we've been doing does not work uh, for such a large, a large fraction of the student population, that things need to change. I mean, I hear this from, from state K-12 leadership. I also hear it from chairs of, of math departments at, at universities across the country, the recognition that, that things are not working and we need to modernize the curriculum. And in modernizing the curriculum, there are opportunities to, to open up mathematics uh, to everybody. And that is, that's really essential, that, that people are able to find a way into mathematics so that it can serve them in whatever they want to do, so that it's not a barrier to doing what they want to do, but it becomes a way of facilitating uh, where they would like to go. And um, it's, it's great to see so much interaction between the societies between the state leadership groups, between the, the university math departments. Uh, people are working on this. Uh, it's, it's a very, um, a, a time with, with a lot of, of ferment and things bubbling up. Uh, ideas are being tried and uh, they don't always work, but you learn something every time you try something new and, uh, and things are moving forward. I'm very encouraged. Awesome. And AMTE. Thanks, Joel. Um, I, I'll pick up right where David left off. I've been in this field for over 25 years now, and I can't recall a time in mathematics education where I have seen such 
enthusiasm and collaboration and connection across organizations around any issue that's faced us as a field. And so I, I think that's a really important thing for us to remember. And that said, it's going to take all of us being in on this work, doing the work, um, not just talking about the work. Um, and I'm sitting here with my sleeves rolled up, working with my home state of Indiana, talking to their Department of Education, talking to districts about how to make this work happen. And it's going to require all of us to do that. I think the beauty of the leadership network that John's leading for us here is that one of the messages I take away from it is teachers, teacher leaders, math teacher educators, we've got your back. Like we are putting out guidance and advice and we are rowing the boat with you here in trying to get this work done because we know it's going to take an effort like we haven't seen across mathematics teacher education to do this. And I see our work at AMTE as a critical pivot point with a group that is based largely in the world of higher education and working with K-12 districts. We live and breathe at that juncture. Uh, so it's really important that we all familiarize ourselves with this work, um, understand what we're trying to accomplish, and talk to everybody we can possibly talk about inside the field and outside the field about what we're trying to do. That advocacy, that outreach really works. And I think it's going to be an important part of the success of this mission. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. And so, you know, John, we talked about the, again, at the top about power of organizations and what you hear a lot of people that having care about students, right? Care about their mathematics education, care about their transition yeah. years. And, you know, seeing the power of, of, of organizations and it just tells me one, get involved with your organizations and engage with them and see like that there's also, they're engage, engaging with each other. It kind of reminds me of when I was teaching mathematics, when you had the the conversation with the parent and then the student realizes that you and the parent have talked is like, oh, that's pretty powerful. Like now these organizations are engaging with each other. This There's some power brewing here. And any final words from you, John? Well, that's the how might we. In other words, we know we can make this happen. It's going to take all of us. Um, Dewey mentioned let's change the narrative. The the work that needs to happen is from the ground up with teachers, teacher educators, building leaders, those who teach and, and, and teach teachers, um, those who said policy, everything related and connected to our students in a pre-K through 16 structure. We need to come together. And so we have come together. And what we're basically doing is equipping each of our organizations so that they can equip their members to be local change agents. Because a lot of this work is done with Michael mentioned, rolling up the sleeves. Roll up our sleeves, let's get at it. And um, thank you for the opportunity to share this work. Thank you for the opportunity, one, for you to host um, this podcast on the front end, on the back end, as we talk about the transition years. And looking forward to the next level of this work when we take what we put together is called action statements, but we begin to put work around that. We put, begin to put tools and resources around that to help each of the organizations help their members this work. So, Joel, once again, thank you and thank all the thought leaders who've been a part of this podcast, but also been a part of the whole webinar series. And thank you. 
Yeah, pretty powerful, pretty powerful uh, thing that you've, you're facilitating here, John. So thanks to everyone for participating. Thanks to everyone for listening. Wherever you found this podcast, there'll be a link in the show notes that will contain all the reference information in this episode, including the recordings of the previous episode of the Transition Years and all the recorded webinars. Otherwise, you can head to amadonplanet.com forward slash transition years. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transition Years. We hope that what you heard has led you to be informed, inspired, and empowered to improve the mathematics education and outcomes for all students related to the Transition Years. The Transition Years is brought to you by the University of Texas at Austin, Charles A. Dana Center, and is an Amadon Planet production. 